This morning's Old Testament reading is from Psalm 133, which can be found on page 619 of your Pew Bibles. A Song of Ascents of David. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured over the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe, as if it were dew from Hermon falling on the Mount of Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Today's New Testament reading is 1 Corinthians 10, verses 14 to 17. It can be found on page 1149 of your pew Bibles. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Sherman. Um, Today, we are doing a thing that I don't really recommend uh, that people do, <laughs> preachers particularly. Um, we're going to ignore Paul's main point in this passage and focus instead on this other point that he makes in order to make that first point. Um, not always wise for preachers to do, but today I think it's going to be okay. Uh, so Paul is actually talking about whether or not it's okay to eat meals in temples of other gods. Um, and his answer is no, in case you're wondering. Um, but as he's talking about that, he talks about communion briefly, and we can learn quite a bit about communion from that space. Um, he sort of incidentally explains why we call communion communion. Um, he says, starting in verse 16, I'm going to read it again. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the same loaf. The word communion uh, means like an intimate relationship, but it's kind of more than intimacy, right? It's a kind of sharing that is deeper than sharing things or ideas or feelings. Um, I like the word from our text as a definition, actually, uh, the word participation. Communion is participation in the life of another. In our text and in the Lord's Supper, communion or participation, they happen in two directions. We might say upward and outward. Um, communion with God and also communion with one another. Um, is not the cup for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ and the bread a participation in the body of Christ. Like Tony said last week, um, in communion we are receiving Christ into our bodies. There is communion with mutual participation with the divine. 
And because we are all participating in Christ in this way, we are also necessarily participating in one another as well. We are joined together by Jesus. There's, so then there's communion in this horizontal direction as well with one another. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the same loaf. Um, John Calvin said about this that he wasn't ashamed, about communion, that he wasn't ashamed that he didn't understand all the ins and outs of it, but that he experienced it more than he understood it. We take in the body of Christ, and so we are the body of Christ. It's like a new meaning to you are what you eat. We take in the body of Christ, and so we are joined together as one body. That dual movement of reconciliation with God and with one another is all over scripture. It's everywhere. Um, like, I could give you a million examples, and I almost did, uh, but Jesus himself summed it up by saying, the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. These two loves are so connected throughout scripture that you can't get one without the other. They are connected in such a way that you cannot pull them apart. I think that you could say that verse 17 from our passage is the gospel in short. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share in the one loaf. Um, it's maybe not the clearest way to say the gospel. Uh, but listen, listen. Uh, by the work of Jesus, we are reconciled to God. And divisions between us are healed. So that we can know God and we can know one another. Wait, I just said that wrong. Let me start over. <laughs> by the work of Jesus, we are reconciled to God. The division between us and God is healed. Okay, so we can know one another. And in that same movement, we are reconciled to one another. Because there is one Christ, and we all participate in that Christ, we are one. Because we all share in the one Christ. Like Jesus is the glue that holds us together. Or better, Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches connected to one another because we are connected to Christ. And there is no other way to be connected to Christ. So I like to tell this the gospel in this um, way of my uh, preaching professor, which some of you will have seen me do before if you've been around, but I don't mind because I think it's helpful. Uh, you can see my picture here. Can you all in the back see this picture well enough? Okay. Uh, this is this is my drawing of the Garden of Eden. Uh, I'm sure you could all tell that already. Um, <laughs> uh, so here we have Adam and Eve um, at peace. So this is pre-sin. They are holding hands. They're at peace with one another. They're smiling. They're at peace within themselves. They are at peace with God and and one that we often forget at peace with the whole rest of creation. Um, this is shalom. Uh, if you look up that word in Hebrew, if you look up where you find it in scripture, you will find all of these kinds of peace. And this is what God is bringing us to. This is from whence we came. God made it all good. Very good, he said. But as soon as sin entered the world, 
things started to fall apart. So people hid from God. And enmity was created between people and the snake. Thorns and thistles started to come up from the land. There was division between people and creation. A loss, actually, of our first calling, which was to keep and tend creation. And of course, the people realized they were naked and they were ashamed. And it didn't take long. Well, and gender uh, issues came up as a result of the fall, right? You will desire your husband and he will rule over, for you, over you. Didn't take long in, because of their loss of a peace with God to lose peace or, for, or Cain, for Cain to murder Abel, right? Peace with one another is lost. And of course, all that shame and fear. Peace within ourselves. And what Christians insist on is that God was not satisfied with that. But that God is and has been since the moment that sin entered the world, that um, it was right after sin that God created a way for us to stand up despite our shame. The first animal sacrifice created clothes for the people so that they could be together in this way. From that moment until now, God has been working to make all things new. And so we hope for this, right, this new creation that is coming. That's not just Adam and Eve, but a whole community of people at peace to, with one another, again with peace with God and peace with all creation. But the crazy thing about all of this is that this is already true. This is already here. We talk about um, the now and the not yet of the kingdom, right? And there are a thousand ways that we are waiting. Like, I struggle with terrible anxiety. This does not feel real for me. Tony and I had like a terrible fight yesterday, and I was not a great person in it. This does not feel real for me. Not to mention, like, racism and climate change. Like, it's, ugh. there are a thousand ways we're still waiting. And yet, this, this is what Christians say, is already the truest thing about the world. Back in chapter 5 uh, of 1 Corinthians, Paul said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. The new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. You are already reconciled. Now, um, I meant to say this earlier, but I want to say, just like run you through the works, like this is, this is true because of the works of Jesus, right? Jesus' incarnation, God comes to be with us in the most intimate way possible, offers up God's body and blood even as our food and nourishment. Jesus tells us in his teachings how to love one another, what it means to be at peace with one another, and how to be at peace with God. Then in the death on the cross, God takes on himself, 
all the weight of our sin in the resurrection conquers sin and death for good, and in the ascension brings humanity up into God's self. This is the truest thing about this world. And everything that we do in response to it is a participation in this. In communion, we enact that reality. We practice it in a small way together. We take in the body of Christ, and so we are the body of Christ, knit together. I mean, I talk about this all the time, <laughs> but you, you've probably heard me talking about um, working out your conflict, right? Uh, and how I think that that is just like a central practice for Christians. And by working out your conflict, I mean doing whatever it takes, learning the skills, making use of mediators and facilitator, facilitated conversations, doing therapy, sitting in a tough spot until you figure it out, doing whatever it takes to be a people who can resolve our differences in healthy and hopeful ways for everyone involved. Um, sometimes I worry that when I talk about that, people think I mean like, just like suppress your feelings and needs, like just stop feeling bad and then get along. And that's like the opposite of what I mean. Um, what I mean is working out your, when I talk about working out your conflict is true reconciliation. Where everyone can, can come out of the space having been honest and having worked out a way forward, including whatever boundaries, whatever apologies, whatever changes need to happen so that both people can stand up straight in that space. This isn't about simpering people who don't speak up for themselves. This is about people speaking as if their voices and needs were important and then listening as if other people's voices and needs were just as important. This is about learning to love. And like you can tell already that I can't not keep talking about it, <laughs> and that's because I think it's the heart of the gospel. The gospel is reconciliation. Like when I continue to emphasize this, it's not so that we can have like this wonderful church, though that would be great. I actually think if we're doing this well, we're going to have more conflict because people are going to bring up more stuff and we're going to have to work through it. But I don't talk about it so that we can all be like, just feel like we have a perfect church. It's because being at peace with one another is who you are. You are already reconciled. The work of Jesus on the cross was a work of reconciliation. Reconciliation with God and peace between people. So we can read in Galatians 3, there is no Jew or Gentile or slave or free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus any and all divisions relativized by the work of God. Because of the work of Jesus, and because of your participation in Christ's body, in a very real sense, you are already reconciled to one another and to every person who is in Christ. You are one, even if you hate their choices, even if you hate their temperament, and their politics, and their hair, even if they drive you crazy, you are already reconciled. 
in the work of Christ. And of course, it's like people are terrible at this. I'm terrible at this. Um, but it's no less true. And when you press into peace, you are pressing into the reality of the kingdom of God. Going into those heated spaces, you know, I tend to get defensive really fast, and I think someone has to win and someone has to lose, and I make all sorts of assumptions about what other people are thinking and trying to do. But how would it change um, these conversations? To begin with the idea, the truth, that we're already one. And not only that, but bearers of the image of God, recipients of the work of Jesus. We, all parties involved, are of infinite value. So we don't need to defend ourselves. That work's been done. And it is our honor to seek the life of another. We may have nothing else in common but Jesus. But Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And we are his body. And so we call the table communion. We take the body of Christ into ourselves, and we are the body of Christ. And it is an invitation for us to participate in the peace of God. And this small meal, <laughs> there's a lizard on the floor. <laughs> so if anyone's missing a lizard, it's right there. Um, <laughs> this small meal, you know? A little piece of bread and some juice is a great mystery in the participation of the reconciliation that God is doing in the whole world, making all things new. It is a way that we engage it. It's also just an appetizer to the larger feast. It's a foretaste of the kingdom of God what we have to have faith to believe in now and to push into now, one day will be all there is. And so we eat in hope of that day, in realization of the truth that it is already here, and in remembrance of the one who made it all possible. Please pray with me. Lord God, may we know you in this feast. We believe you work whether we know or not, um, whether we understand or not. We pray that you would uh, give us that special grace of seeing what you are doing and knowing you in it. In Jesus' name, amen.